<sighs> oh, geez. I was just showing ennui, and all of a sudden it popped in. Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School. I'm Matt Donnelly, and Michael Goudeau is away, and we are broadcasting from here from Show Creator Studio South here in Las Vegas, Nevada. This week, it's, uh, it's an old-school Penn Sunday School. we got, like, items in the news that we kind of want to talk about. And we're not even just avoiding it. We're not trapping ourselves. We're doing it on purpose. So here he is. Preaching the love, Penn Gillette. Yeah, preaching love. It's harder and harder all the time, doesn't it? It does. Doesn't it? We should have, we should have had a different mission statement <laughs> than, than, than preaching love. If we had gone with preaching hate... We'd be making oh. enough money that we could be sued yeah. for $46 million and not have a dent in our money. That's what we could do. We should have done preaching loyalty. Mm. Preaching loyalty. Fealty. Yeah. Preaching fealty. Preaching loyalty. Yeah. Preaching love is, um, it's pissing up a rope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, 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 man. Yeah. Things are just crazy. You know, Alex Jones, I want to thank Alex Jones. Okay. Because Alex Jones uh, stopped me from being in a very awkward position. Okay. Because Alex Jones, by being so fucked up in his discovery and so much lying yes. going into it, he stopped us from having to deal with the free speech issue. A hundred percent. Correct. Which we really don't want to. No, no. We really don't want to be defending Alex Jones. And even the thing that tripped him up, right? The text, the text being sent from his legal team to the other legal team. Yeah. Like, why wasn't he, you're the only person I think I can say this to because no one else wants to hear me say it, but like, why wasn't he a free speech zealot through and through? Why wasn't he just, like, even behind the scenes, to his lawyers, to everyone, he should have just been handing things over and yelling freedom of speech the entire time. Yes. He got cute. And we love the fact that he didn't do that. Yes. We love the, I found defending Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> I found that really easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I found that no tension at all. Yeah. Fine. Let them say whatever they want at the grave sites. Yeah. Alex Jones, I, uh, he's just a unpleasant, reptilian, horrible thing. Yeah. And so I wrote to Bob Cornrevere, who, as you know, is the First Amendment attorney for the show. Yes. He's, he's on the show and he gives us the First Amendment point of view. Yeah. And I asked him. And if, if, even for, for what libertarian listeners we have, if you think you piss everyone off at a party, hang out with Bob Corn Revere. Yeah. Bob Corn Revere, who takes on cases against the blind and for telemarketers. <laughs> <laughs> but he did, he, did, he did get them off the hook for uh, Janet, Janet Jackson's nipple. Yes. He did, he did win that case. He's the best of us. He's the best of us. Yeah. So I wrote to him, and you could hear in the tone of his email back to me his relief that he was not defending Alex Jones. <laughs> he said, uh, let me see, uh, I might even read some of this to you. I have sympathy for the view that Alex Jones is so thoroughly repugnant and what he did so extravagantly irresponsible that this was richly deserved. At the same time, <laughs> I know lawyers, uh, one of his lawyers, who insist Jones actually believed his lunatic rants and claimed to have sources to back them up, and other lawyers who believe the discovery rulings in the case were wildly unfair and were based more on Jones' reptilian nature than the law. Who knows? They might be right but I can't help but feel Jones made his own bed. Do you realize, do you realize how incredibly unpleasant and disgusting you have to be for Bob Corn Revere to put some caveat on anything other than say what you want, say what you want, say what you want, say what you want, say what you want. I mean, he is a seagull on that. <laughs> and I remember uh, Provenza yeah. wrote me a little uh, text that said, uh, in very small letters, are we going to have to uh, defend Alex Jones? <laughs> <laughs> do we, do we, are we going to have to do that? 
And I wrote back very happily, no, he did not go with absolute freedom of speech. He went another way. We're okay. Yeah. I really feel like that was, uh, that was dodging a bullet. Now, I think what's annoying is he basically really dug himself in on incompetence on many levels. So we never got to fully see the court case bore out, but the court case was to express that it did indeed cause harm. And when it, it, it can you see, uh, ready, rich on your screen, <laughs> you see that his finger is poised over the button. He has not been listening to a thing you've been saying. He has been, he is like a cat outside a mouse hole. Well, no one I know he watched the whole thing. Ready, right? You watched the whole thing. Yep. Okay. Ready. Let her rip. I just wanted to point out that you started out the show saying, Thanks to Alex Jones for not putting us in a position to defend him. Mm -hmm. And then Matt Donnelly immediately said, let's put Alex Jones in a position where we have to defend him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is precisely what happened. What do you think? Listen to the court case there, Ready Rich. I have a speculative answer to Matt's question if you want to start there. Go ahead. He knew that it didn't meet the legal definition of First Amendment protected free speech. Mm -hmm. And that's why he didn't defend it. He knew that it wasn't true. That's the speculative yeah. answer. Because I, I read a book years ago. Really? Yeah. yeah. And then I stopped. I went out on top. <laughs> called Them. Mm -hmm. About giant ants. <laughs> and he notes the both that and there's a famous song, Them. But I, anyway. Giant ants is really... Giant ants. I remember that scene. In, in, we're going to get off on it. If we get off on a rant on giant ants in the Them movie, we will have really, really proven Penn Sunday School is as psycho as some say. <laughs> My favorite moment in the movie Them. Yeah. Two things about Them. One is, you know, in movie night, mm -hmm. okay, if you hear the name of another movie in the movie you're watching, yes, it is optional to go, wow. Wow. And because of them and help, you can, you can and do the right thing. You can have <laughs> help them do the right thing can be wow, wow, wow. <laughs> but Mark Garland, the king of movie night, points out that help has an exclamation point at the end of it. Ah. So if it's in the middle of a sentence, you cannot do it a legitimate wow. <laughs> but them, my favorite thing is at the beginning when they go, there's a smell of formic acid which is the smell of ants. Ah. They say formic acid. When you first saw them, the people that watched it then did not know it was about giant ants. Ah. They just knew it was about them. Oh, clever marketing. Very clever marketing. It's like uh, Alfred Hitchcock when he did the ad, The Birds is Coming. Ah. That was his ad, The Birds is Coming, because The Birds was the title of the film. Yes. So The Birds is Coming. Okay, them is the book you read. Not... No smell of formic acid. No, no. Like he, he spends time hanging out with what you would think people that you'd normally label them. This is a different yeah. world. But you know, there's like a anti-Semitic uh, Islamic groups that were like raising money. And he was himself as Jewish. And we were like watching money change hands. And as the author, like, should I just, I'm just an author, but should I do something about, that? you know, kind of thing. And one of the, one of the chapters is he hangs out with Alex Jones, early Alex Jones. We just, just a, a radio guy just trying to get people to listen to. And he was talking about how all Republicans are, or not all politicians are lizard people mm -hmm. uh, and how they meet in the, in a, in the woods and they burn an owl in effigy, but sure enough, he goes along with them and they hide in the woods and sure enough, they find a giant owl and all the, and there are all the leaders hanging out for some kind of corporate retreat, political retreat or whatever. And they do have some kind of ritual where they burn an owl and that kind of stuff. And in the book, what, what, what are you talking about? Are you tripping balls now? No. Okay. No, no. Uh, it's been a while since I've read the book. I mean, probably so 20 years. Probably you're making all this up. I'm probably, yeah, I'm getting a lot wrong. <laughs> Good. But there's a story where he's in the woods on a tip from Alex Jones, and all of a sudden he can't believe it, but sure enough, car after car is dropping off politician after politician for this retreat meeting in the woods. Well, there's all, what is that? There's that skull club that Bush belonged to. And all yeah, that yeah, stuff. yeah. There's, there's all these weird... The Build-A-Burger group and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Build-A-Bear. Build-A-Bear. Build-A-Bear group. Yeah. Which is, they have, they're all malls with stuffing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a teddy bear in your house, you're being tracked. <laughs> and then the author was debating, like, I don't know if this guy believes this or whether he's trying to just get people crazy or whatever. Well, you know, I always come back to that 
story that after um, after uh, after JFK, yeah, I was on Larry King, explaining that uh, when you do shoot from the back, the head goes toward the weapon because of the jet propulsion when it goes through the head, right? Yeah, and that hunters know this and physicists know this. Also about the sound of the JFK thing that a guy named Luis Alvarez, who was friends with uh, John F. Kennedy, I believe a Nobel Prize winner, yeah, wrote a paper, um, you know, saying essentially the evidence all points to Oswald. And uh, I did this whole show with Larry King, you know, and I should also point out I made the shot with the man like Kakano at the same distance. Yeah. Not on a president. I mean, let me add that in. <laughs> I got home and Letterman called me. Letterman never called me. Right. Letterman called me. Yeah. Said, uh, did, uh, did Oliver Stone know that he was lying or uh, did, 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 did he believe it? I said, doesn't make any difference. Letterman said, no, no, it does make a difference. I said, no, it doesn't. He said, it's the only thing that does make a difference. Whether he believed it or not is what really makes a difference. I said, no, if you willfully believe something without looking for evidence that you're wrong, it's the same moral position as believing it. Uh, and Letterman said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I said, yes, I don't care if you're an eyes shut psychic or an eyes open psychic. Right. What you're doing is wrong. Yeah. Letterman did not agree with me. He's not here to make his position, but he did not agree with me. <laughs> um, I don't give a flying fuck if Alex Jones believed it or not. If you're willing to talk yourself into believing that crazy shit to make money, I don't give a shit. And I will say I have no problems with condemning Alex Jones morally. Oh, yeah. Fucking pig. Yeah. Just a fucking pig. And the pain caused to those families. I mean, you've already pinned the needle. One part of me says, when your child is shot, nothing can get worse. Yeah. So maybe it doesn't matter. But it seems to. It <laughs> seems they actually suffered more. Yeah. By a lot. Because of Alex Jones. Yeah. If you want to talk about a group of people who should get some sort of Pasadena in their life. Yeah. It's like if you were at a movie and the people ahead of you were talking really loudly, she couldn't hear the film, and you were about to say shut up, and they leaned over and, and the person next to you leaned over and said, their, uh, their children were shot. You go, want some popcorn? <laughs> I, I think that we have to give those people a pass. And the fact that somebody chose not to. Also, also, the other thing that's very difficult for me is I have real trouble giving responsibility to people who don't do the act. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this, um, this, uh, asshole goes into the FBI body armor to shoot people up. Right. Yeah. And they're trying to kind of pin that on the pro Trump people, you know, mm -hmm. no, I am against the people who, uh, say horrible stuff about the other side. But I think people are responsible for their own actions. Right. I mean, we actually, uh, we, we read an article this week uh, about John Hinckley, right? Yeah. And he was doing that to attract Jodie Foster. Yeah. So it's like in that scenario, Trumpism and Jodie Foster, you know what I mean? Like you're. Yeah. 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 But uh, there is this thing that is so deep and so wrong, which is the yeah. us and them. And you know, the people that we know personally are doing that too. Oh, 100%. Anything that can bring down Trump is good. Yeah, I was not, I was very surprised at the celebrative nature across the board on the Mar-a-Lago raid for a variety of reasons. Um, one is that like, I've been following this guy for a while. Sure seems like nothing sticks. So- <laughs> Why do I want to be on record for doing ding dong, the witch is dead kind of posts mm -hmm. for something that sure hasn't stuck yet? Mm -hmm. You know, like just, and, and, and seeing politicians do it. I, I, there's an undertone of what you're saying yeah. that I find really disturbing. <laughs> Are you thinking that you would ever be right about anything? <laughs> so you're being careful about what you say because you think that someday you might be right? Why don't you list politically in the past five years, the things you've been dead right about? <laughs> uh, and well, moving on. Okay. 
that list is done, right? Yes. I believe uh, uh, we can go back and rewind to the whatever Penn Sunday School I said. I don't think Trump will win one state. We want to go to that one? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, the thing is that, like, I mean, so when Alex Jones got found guilty and got assigned punitive damages, all I felt was relief. Mm -hmm. I just was like, oh, good. When someone really does cause harm, I'm glad we actually can see instances where they might be found accountable. What's really funny is that Trump has been pushing this libel law stuff. Yes. That you should be able to sue the press. Yeah. And it's Dominican, right? They're called Dominican, the, the uh, voting yeah, machine. The, uh, yeah. Dominion. Dominion. Yeah, Dominion. I guess I'm tying it in with the South American. Anyway, <laughs> um, Dominion voting machines. Yeah. Uh, are using libel against Fox News. Yes. And all of these people are celebrating the fact that they may bring down Fox News. And it, is like CNN and MSNBC and New York Times a, a little worried? Right. That we want libel laws that way? Yeah. And yet they did do incredible damage. Yeah. Uh, this is really hard stuff. Like this, I mean, like... Like we've, you know, we have people who've run for state office here in Nevada who placed like fourth or fifth who say, I refuse to concede. I want to recount. Right, yeah. My sister-in-law just won a state's attorney. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, primary. And a primary opponent was initially not conceding. And Where's this? Uh, in Vermont. Mm -hmm. And it's like... It's like this this lame playbook of like drag it out assholey, like the asshole drag it out approach to things. Like it's still hanging around, not in a volatile, crazy way, but just in like a, oh, let's make sure this is gross and ugly for as long as possible, even though it's still inevitable. Well, once you've made, uh, I mean, look at Al Gore. Yeah. Who kind of sort of won. Yeah. And he, for the good of the country, this really strong position. Up now, first of all, I don't agree with Al Gore at all. I didn't like him, right? But that doesn't matter at all. No, what he did was what we expected everyone to do. Yeah, and there is a change. You know, this is what is so difficult about government. We're now applauding stuff that used to be unthinkable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Dick Cheney got shit for cursing on the Senate floor. Yeah. Now. People just curse each other out all the time. Mm -hmm. Like now, it's like now that's nothing, yeah. you know. But uh, the idea of trying to be remote, the idea of outclassing a situation or keeping the integrity of the country first is it does. There's, it's actually that there's no money in it anymore. Mm -hmm. And you also uh, uh, everything is about winning now. Yeah, and you are a chump if you don't cheat in order to win. Right, chumps don't cheat. Yeah. That's the point of view. Uh, you know how in the Marx Brothers movies, mm -hmm. we're going to tie this all in. You know, wa <laughs> watch me work, okay? Watch me work. <laughs> in the Marx Brothers movies, yeah. Harpo and Chico are going to do really, really unpleasant things to people. Mm -hmm. Really unpleasant things to people. They're going to steal and they're going to do awful stuff. So they start every Marx Brothers movie with just someone walking in beating the shit out of Harpo. <laughs> right? You remember that? Yeah. Someone just come in and whack him in the head. Yeah. yeah. And Chico to whack, 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 whack. Yeah. And then you go, okay, they've had enough. Now they can go do this. Yeah. And every one of these fucking crazy vigilante movies, right? They come in and they say, okay, let's rape his daughter, his wife. Yeah. Let's break his arm. Let's steal his TV and let's fuck his dog. Now we can start the movie. Because <laughs> now he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah. And we've now got a situation where um, people are being told that um, the government is run by pedophiles mm -hmm. who want to destroy the country yeah. on purpose and want to take away all the rights of the people that are there. So whatever you do, they raped your dog. Whatever you do is justified. Yes. And the other side is Trump has destroyed our country. Mm. He's taking everything down. So anything we can do to get him is justified. Yeah. And as soon as you do that, as soon as you've decided to walk out of the playing field yeah. and not play fair, uh, you're then in war. I mean, it's, it's a horrible. Yeah. And there's, I don't see any way out.
So give up. Yeah. Now we should address this. Um, I don't know how to how we're gonna how we're gonna get uh, any laughs out of this. But Salman Rushdie, yeah, um, stabbed I, in the neck. This happened. Though, uh, we were recording my other podcast, Ice Cream Social, and we got off air, and someone said, "Oh, no one brought up Salman Rushdie." I was like, "I couldn't." And this is a real, real challenge to this, because if you want to talk free speech. And you want to talk having compassion for people who are very different from you. Yeah. This Chautauqua attack is, uh, tests me at my very core because, uh, I want to be filled with rage. Yeah. I am filled with rage. Yeah. And I want to say, I really want to say, if you believe in God, you are part of this. That fucking simple. And if I say that, Fearing not, I become the enemy in the instant that I preach. If I can't open my heart to Muslims, yeah. if I can't open my heart to theists, um, then uh, that's wrong. But, um, you know, um, Neil Gaiman uh, wrote to me right away when, when Solomon was stabbed, and I fired off... Um, a long list of uh, of tweets, uh, not tweets, uh, texts to um, to Neil that um, won't be public, right? You know? And uh, it was, uh, I, I you know, I, I would like very much to claim um, to claim friendship with Salman Rushdie. We had um, we've had two meals together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've chatted for a couple hours, but uh, he's certainly not a close friend. I didn't uh, I didn't get in touch with him after the stabbing. I thought he had. He had enough enough shit going on, um, bro. You get my text. What's up? Yeah, what's up, man? What, what, I just, I what, want to know how you're doing. What's going on? But boy, um, and I thought about how quickly that shit happens. You know, these people at Chautauqua, they were not prepared was, at it all. Was, it was a normal day. Yeah, it's a normal day. And he has security. We all know, but how can you stay vigilant for thirty five years? Yeah, especially when even when one leader says it's off, yeah. the fatwa is off or whatever. I mean, there there is a need. I don't. We don't have a distinct case. We don't have a distinct notion in our government world of freedom from religion, right? You know, someone Rushdie and I don't know every woman in this country at the moment mm-hmm. need freedom from religion. Mm-hmm. You know that freedom of religion. Yes, but like, why isn't it distinct yet that like, I certainly don't have to be subject to another religion's law? Well, once, but once again, once again, it has to do with convincing people there's an existential threat. It's not a difference of opinion. Salman Rushdie is angering God. Yeah. He is blaspheming the prophet. Yeah. And that is blasphemy. Blasphemy is punishable by death. Now, to us, blasphemy is a victimless crime. Yeah. Right? You can't blaspheme because there's no God. Yeah. If you really believe that, what do you do? And if you've convinced people insanely that abortion is murder, yeah, how do you give people an individual choice? The problem is convincing people that these things are, the problem is the supernatural, right? Yeah. The problem is the false beliefs. We're going to take a little break from this excitingly funny conversation <laughs> to talk about stamps.com. Yes. If there's one thing that's good in the world, it's stamps.com. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> you know, the you don't you, you can't leave your business to run to the post office. Don't you just have to do that? Yeah. To run to the post office and mail stuff out. You don't have to do that anymore. Stamps.com is your 24-7 post office that you can access from anywhere. Skip the headache with Stamps.com. They've been supporting this show since 2012, and it's so convenient, and it really surprises me that there's anybody that listens to us that doesn't use Stamps.com. Yeah. You've had wonderful experiences with it. 100%. And you use it yourself. Yes. Okay. and that's for Because I have the long-suffering Laura yeah. and my wife who use it. No, no. For me. You use it yourself. Yeah. And they're able to deal with you. Yes. That's the important thing is they have a great customer service department. <laughs> it gives you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services you need right from your computer and you get discounts. Yes. It's cheaper than if you went to the post office. How often is it better on both ends? 
Rarely. It's cheaper and you don't have to go. It's just really great. All you need is your regular computer and printer, no special supplies, supplies, or equipment. Uh, plus, Stamps.com seamlessly works with Shopify, Amazon, Etsy, is it Etsy or Etsy? Etsy, eBay, and more. You're up and running in minutes, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. You can even order shipping supplies supplies Surprise. through Stamps.com, including free priority mail envelopes and boxes. Yeah. Uh, we were sent out, you know, a zillion things for Director's Cut, and they were so helpful in every way. Yeah. Everything just worked beautifully. Don't mail or ship the hard way. Sign up with Stamps.com today. Sign up with the promo code. Pen. For a special office that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and enter pen. pen. Yeah, that's for sure. Actually, uh, the listeners of this podcast who support us on Patreon, people will get the tier where they get a signed postcard from you mm-hmm. at stamps.com. I just signed hundreds of them. Yeah. I also signed a lot of book plates. Oh. So um, uh, we sold uh, a lot of advanced books autographed. Yeah. And I really like, I'm always proud when this stuff happens. The book company said to me, he's really going to autograph all these? (laughs) Uh, They were looking for a way out. They said, we sold too many books. You're not really going to autograph them all, are you? And I said, well, yes, I am. We we said, we're going to, we're going to do it. Yeah. So I was signing for a long time. It was about uh, just signing books. It was about an hour and a half. Ooh. Now, I'm not complaining. Right. I'm very proud that's and a, happy to a, be doing that. It's a good, great sign. Very yeah, good. exactly. But I was backstage at the MGM. We had this weird, weird-ass show. It was a corporate show. Uh-huh. And it's not weird-ass because of the company. The company was great. A very different demographic than we used to play to. You know, um, young and just 10,000 people. 10,000 people, which is a lot. Yeah. And they had their stage set up for anything but us. <laughs> so uh, there were two layers to this, levels to the stage. Yeah. You couldn't get to the audience. You couldn't get to backstage. And there were no wings. Oh. So we're performing for 10,000 people. And we only have props that are on our body or that the crew can carry up the stairs and hide <laughs> over to the side. They decided they would carry up nail gun. Oh. So I was going to do nail gun. So um, nail gun is right. Memorized. Ostensibly, memorization. I shoot nails into a board and then into my hand in a pattern that I've ostensibly memorized. We were, it was a very, very, very festive crowd. Very festive. And there were before us about 100 people on stage all taking selfies, all in like long glittery gowns, and all jumping around, screaming all at once. Then we came out to do our kind of low-key stuff. And it went over okay. They were fine. They were a really good audience, really nice, really receptive. But when I was doing Nail Gun, I had to look around, because I thought the Beatles walked up on stage behind me. (laughs) It was the best reaction I've ever gotten to anything. Oh, fantastic. They were screaming and jumping to their feet. It's an amazing routine. Well, thank you. But um, yeah. boy, I got to tell you, those people at the Penn and Teller Theater, they could take a lesson <laughs> from these 10,000 people about watching a routine. Well, now you have your halftime show. You got Yes, I could do the halftime show. That's exactly <laughs> the crowd it was. Yeah. The halftime show. And when I fire that nail into my cock, yeah, my goodness, I thought they were going to petition for a Nobel Prize. <laughs> That's actually, and this was a corporate? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. They were, they, were, they were out of their minds. Out of their minds. Wow. So I don't know what you do. If mu- Muslims, if some Muslims yeah. believe that blaspheming the prophet is a punishable by death. Um, and there's Salman Rushdie. Now, no one read the goddamn book. No right. one. None of the people that read the book. No. Probably even the people that put out the fatwa didn't read the book. Right. Hard book, by the way. Did you ever try to read it? No. Satanic? I was, I tr- well, the answer, yes, uh, yes, and I couldn't. And then um, he talks about it in his later book. Mm-hmm. I, 
Shoot, it was the one where he speaks for he speaks third person, but he yeah. does not. So, yeah, yeah, I forgot the name of it too, but I read it. Yeah, that's where he d- breaks down the writing of that. Yeah, of that book and and the reaction to it. Book's too hard for me. Yeah, it's really too hard. I couldn't get through Ulysses. Yeah. I've tried Ulysses, James Joyce Ulysses, mm-hmm. like three times with a full annotated tome. Yeah, going through it line by line, and I got about two thirds of the way through and was kind of grooving, and then I cracked. Yeah, you know. People talk about, oh, I wanted to set out write a book. I wrote a book. I want to learn Spanish. want to learn to play bass. Yeah. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time talking about my failures. <laughs> Boy, I wanted to read Ulysses and really understand it. Yeah. I wanted to know what Bloomsday and I wanted to be able to walk through, you know, Dublin and go through the whole thing and understand yes. it and the multi, uh, multi-lingual puns. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know all that. I wanted to really be able to say, hey, I'm Penn Jillette. I'm a James Joyce Ulysses fan. <laughs> I wanted to see myself that way. Yeah. That was part of my self-image. That's what I am. I'm not. Yeah. I'm just not smart enough. And I'm not willing to work hard enough. I tried that with the, it was a brief history of time, Stephen Hawking. Yeah. You know what they did with the brief history of time? Yeah. Which is really funny. They put a little piece of paper, a blow-in piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of the, a lot of them is an experiment and said, if you get to this point in the book, call this number. Really? <laughs> like nobody did. Nobody did. I got through all of a brief history of time. Yeah. I got through a lot of it, but, um. I couldn't, I just couldn't get it. Mm. I could have kept turning the pages. I could have just kept looking. I know what each word was. Mm-hmm. I could have just from a very literal level gotten through it, but when I was, I was, going I was understanding through, nothing. When I was going through um, uh, uh, QED, the Feynman book yeah. on uh, particle physics, mm-hmm. I had a big advantage because I called Richard Feynman. <laughs> and I said, I'm on this page and can you explain this to me? And that's when Richard Feynman said, well, use your algebra. I said, I don't, I don't know algebra. <laughs> I said, okay, well, let's teach you algebra. I tell people that Richard Feynman, Nobel Prize winner, yeah. taught me algebra and taught me the stuff I needed to understand his book, and their mind is blown. <laughs> uh, there was this show called Numb Threers. Yes. Uh, uh, Numb Threers, yeah. N-U-M-B-3-R-S, yes. right? And I played myself on that show. Right? Yes. And they had a consultant on, right? The consultant was a physics guy. Yeah. And a math guy who wanted to make sure that their script stayed. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. So in the script, I talk about knowing Richard Feynman, right? Yeah. And the guy who looks over the script said, uh, you can't really do that because, you know, this magician, juggler, comedian in Las Vegas, uh, there's no way anybody's going to believe he knew Richard Feynman. <laughs> I said, I did, you know, and I have letters from him and stuff like that. Yeah. We were actually in touch. And the guy was like, you know, you could t- tell him saying, what is the motive for Richard Feynman to talk to this Gazuni? <laughs> Why was he talking to a Gazuni? You know what I mean? Yeah. That was the, I mean, I'm using the, yeah. the incarnate terms that mathematicians use. <laughs> Why was he talking to a Mark? You Why know? would he love to waste time? Yeah. Why, why of all the things Richard Feynman could be thinking about, thinking about answering the phone when caller ID says it's Pedulet <laughs> and then teaching him algebra over the phone. Just to get through his own book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he could have said, you know, maybe you'd be better off reading um, Harry Potter. Yeah. Could have said that to me. But no, he taught me, he taught me algebra. And still, you know, our buddy Lawrence Krauss. His mind is still blown by that. When he yeah. says, you know, you go back to your algebra. And I go, all I know is what Richard Feynman taught me. And Larry Krauss goes, probably enough. <laughs> <laughs> I know a few people who knew Richard Feynman, yeah. but none of the other ones are of my intellectual capacity. <laughs> That's my point. I'm going to remind you of this story when I call you about sock. <laughs> what do you mean? He's going to call you up and you're going to have to explain things to him to get him through sock. Mm. Well, random too. Yeah. Gonna, people are going to call me up and say, uh, we need to have this probability lesson on how the, do- by the way, you can still get advanced orders. Yes. My book random. I recently just repost. if you're a Patreon person, I recently just reposted all the pre-order info. I'm again. thrilled to sign more books. Yeah. I signed a lot. I'm willing to sign more books. You're going to see people experimenting with dice life because of this book. 
How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm telling everybody don't. Right. I'm telling everybody don't. I think it's really dangerous. And uh, another, I know I keep bringing up the Patreon. It's only because it helps fund me. But um, uh, <laughs> uh, we are going to host a Patreon-only, quote-unquote, bookstore stop. Oh, good. Yeah, we yeah. are going to do that. Yeah. And I will answer all the hard questions. So we'll, we'll, we're going to do a Zoom, uh, a Zoom invite to Patreon-only people. Uh, and we're going to do a, a, a random... Uh, uh, basically what Penn would normally do in a bookstore, he's going to do on zoom for patrons. I'll take, uh, I'll take questions. Take questions. I also want to say, this is just, just, just to put this bug in people's bonnets. Yeah. To use an expression that doesn't exist. Just to put this bug in your ear. Okay. I'm going to be doing various books. I'm going to Denver, San Francisco, New York. I'll be showing up and doing readings from the book and doing book signings and doing Q and A's. Right. Yeah. I'm doing these all over. When I did it for Every Day is an Atheist Holiday, okay, I think that book, I was in the a New York bookstore. Yeah. Like one of the big Barnes and Nobles. And they had a little area over there, okay? And I was giving my lecture, right? My lecture. I was reading from the book. Yeah. I was making jokes and shit. There was going to be a question period. And a woman stood up in the audience and took her shirt off so that she was topless. And said, I am here to fight the laws in New York that say that men can be topless and women cannot. That is unequal. I am fighting that. Right? Yeah. And she said, and I don't care if security throws me out. I have a right to be here and be topless if I want. And security came in and I said, get, get away from her. <laughs> I said, do you have anything else to say? She said, no. I said, okay. Hang out. And I went on. So I'm just saying, if yeah. anybody wants to protest <laughs> in that way during my book signings, I'm all for it. Yeah. I will back you. And if you're on the fence, maybe bring a couple of dice with you. <laughs> I'm sure people are going to show up with dice. They're going to roll and then ask me crazy questions. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to roll the way they'll take their top off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was that was a good moment. I liked that very much. Yeah, I thought, boy, this is the kind of protest I like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and, and you were on our side. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, not only um, uh, do I do I like that idea. Yeah. Not only do I find that uh, pleasant, but also um, morally, I'm certainly on our side. Yeah. Legally on our side. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, laws against indecency in general seem to me insane. Yeah. And also, the, uh, I guess there might be some hygiene reasons for people to wear pants, but I don't even know about that. I don't know. <laughs> but I do know that the laws that say you can't have a topless bartender where there's liquor, yeah. I just don't know what interaction that a breast <laughs> has with alcohol that's dangerous. If a if a drop of alcohol touches a nipple- Oh, you don't know? There, I don't know. Tell me. You were a bartender. Sarin gas. Oh, <laughs> Sarin gas. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever work behind the bar to topless? Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you're a bartender down the Caribbean, right? Yeah, I was a bartender in the Caribbean, yeah. So the shirt was open or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I would say anybody should be able to do that. Yeah. Not only Matt Donnelly. Yeah, yeah definitely. I shouldn't be the, uh, the, the, the ideal candidate for that at all. So I don't know. The, um, the Salman Rushdie thing, uh, I so desperately want to blame religion. I so desperately want to blame the people that put the fatwa on them. Yeah. And I guess if I'm going to be honest with myself, it needs to come down to one person and their responsibility. It was one person that stabbed him. Yeah. The sickness of religion, the sickness of believing things that, as Stevie Wonder would say, believe in things you don't understand. The sickness of thinking that, um, the government needs to control women's bodies. It's so hard to have compassion for people that, that spew that hateful nonsense that does such damage to people. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And you know, there's that article you sent me about Hinckley. Yeah, yeah. Washington um, Post article, uh, John Hinckley's finally been releasing the full freedom. Basically, you can have access to email and all that stuff. Try to shoot Reagan. Uh, and also, did you? I mean, oh, did you, Reagan? Try to did kill you, Reagan? And uh, and did you, Brady? Yeah, and shot other people too. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have an embarrassing thing about this because I worked with Ron Reagan Jr. Right. And I've told you that he had asked me the password and my password was Hinkley. <laughs> and that was less funny to him. <laughs> and I love Hinkley in, uh, in Assassins. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what troubled me. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Hinkley, if we believe he was crazy at the time. Yeah. And we believe he's no harm to other people. Within my morality, he should be let out. Yeah. And within my morality, he should be able to do songs. Yeah. It troubles me very much that people want to hear those songs. Right. So he had a, he booked a concert for himself with, he sold like 400 tickets. He's booked other places too. There's several yeah, yeah. others. And he wants to be a country Western performer. Yeah. But what I, and th I haven't listened to his music. Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, I don't want to listen to his music, but I think I can guess. I don't think this is, this is too prejudicial. I think I can guess that it's less likely to be listened to if he hadn't shot the president. Yeah. I think we can say that. Yeah. I mean, Charlie Manson, we ran that test with Charlie Manson. He hawked his music all over LA. Yeah. No one was interested. And then he, uh, he, he was involved in the family and they killed all those people. And all of a sudden Guns N' Roses records one of his songs. Yeah. I got to think that that's not because the song quality in a vacuum. Yeah. And I got to believe that Hinkley, although I'm sure, I mean, I, I do believe that he believes the music is heartfelt. They had a few of the lyrics in the Washington Post and it was doggerel. Yeah. It was doggerel. I didn't see anything interesting about it at all. Didn't make me want to hear it. I believe he has a right to do it. And I also believe that no one should listen to him. And I also believe that the reason they're canceling the concerts also breaks my heart. Yes. They're canceling the concerts because of death threats and fire threats and will burn down your fucking place. And that's, you know, talking about like you become the, the, the same thing that you hate, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you hate Hinckley because he tried to take justice into his own hands or, the, you know, whatever. Yeah, was yeah, his own hands. yeah, yeah. And now you want to do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, to threaten violence against Hinckley. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, we're, we're right, running right up against the death penalty here, right? Yeah. We're running right up against it. Um, yeah, if you are a pacifist, which I am, yeah, you've got to be a pacifist. If you're a sp free speech guy, you've got to be a free speech guy. So my free speech guy says Hinckley should be allowed to once, you know, once we've decided he's safe, yeah. we don't know if that decision was right. You know, I'm just going with what, wh whose job it is to make that decision. Yeah. I'm very thankful it's not me. I mean, I can't imagine the pressure yeah. with deciding someone like Hinckley can go back in the world. If he does anything wrong, it's your fault forever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just horrible. Like when Mailer worked hard to get the belly of the beast guy oh, out of really? prison. Yeah. Well, Norman Mailer uh, got a guy out of prison because he wrote a book called The Belly of the Beast and he thought it was uh, uh, literarily sound. And Mailer petitioned to get this killer out of prison because he would be a great writer now. And he got out of prison and killed somebody. Oh. Yeah. And then Thanksgiving dinner with... Uh, Norman Mailer was a little bit awkward because you'd go, give me some of that stuffing from the belly of the bee. Oh, oh dear. no. So somebody made that decision. Uh, could you make that decision? No. I mean, we just went over my record of things I got right. So <laughs> no, it's a tough decision to make. But then once that decision's been made and Hinckley is out, I don't think he's going to kill again, right? Like. I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think he's going to kill anyone. Again. Should he be able to do music? Yes. And then should people listen to it? No. And then, okay, but this is the other thing. Should they be able to listen to it? Yes. yes. Right? Like, and then when it transpires, measure the damage done. 400 people go ahead and listen to Hinkley sing mediocre country songs for an evening. Mm-hmm. What happens to the world? And we also don't know. We also have to remember Nadine Strawson, who was the head of the ACLU in the 90s, 
who said, it's not just that this stuff should be allowed, I'm interested in it. Yeah. There may be somebody, there may be a lot of people who say, when someone's gone through that mental illness, when they have tried to kill people, then they come out of it, what kind of music comes out of their heart? Yeah. That's a real question you could ask. Yeah. You could ask, you could look at the clown paintings of um, Ed Gein yeah. and say, what do we learn from these paintings about a killer? You could say that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the reason we wanted the Oklahoma bomber still to be alive. So you can look into what turns someone into that. And then you got to think about like, well, I want Hinkley to work, right? I don't want to paying yeah. Hinkley to live yeah. freely. So you want to work. So, so country music's out. What's in? What am I okay with him doing? Yeah, yeah. But if all of this, the reason they didn't do it was because they got threats. Yeah. And this idea of threats constantly is just heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was reading an article, uh, Cracker Barrel announced they're going to offer uh, just an additional side. Vegan sausage patties. Vegan sausage patties. And people went nuts. You're going to, because you're woke, you're going to be broke. <laughs> yeah, go woke, go broke. Go woke, go broke. <laughs> it's like, they added an item to the menu. Yeah. Like, if you hated avocados, would you do it then too? It's just like, it's a weird thing. Yeah, like now really you can, weird. Now you can add avocado to your thing. Yeah. Never. Burn it to the ground. <laughs> can I tease out some ideas here? What's that? Sure. Yeah. So I don't really have any comment on the 400 seat theater. We've all dealt with 400 seat theater owner operators. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to deal with them more if you're listening. My noodle is a fine show. And we all know that like a threat of a single bad Yelp review can move them. <laughs> Good point. This is the smallest of live operations. But these people did say they received death threat. Yeah. yeah. And as someone who's gotten a death threat, a, one death threat is when it happens to someone else, you kind of go big deal. When it happens to you, it changes your whole family. Yep. No matter how preposterous, right? Right. Because you have to keep that whatever 1% chance in your brain. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is frightening. But here's what I want to separate out. Is your concern, I should preface this, we both have friends that have made mistakes and have been in prison. Yes, we do. And we've helped them out after the fact. Yes, that's correct. And we could talk about Tony has his artwork that we both love. Mm -hmm. And is that different? No, he drove into a house. He did, he did yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So I'm, is your concern, yeah, is your concern the long-term consequences of allowing people to reap the rewards of notoriety? I guess I find that a little distasteful, but I don't want legal action against it or violent action against it. I just feel a little bit uncomfortable about that. So it, the laws that we have preventing that for people that are currently in prison, where are we on that? I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. It's yeah, a tough one. That is hard to think about. Because if someone in prison is putting out art and that art could mean something to someone else. That's tough. I mean, no one would have made more money than OJ. Mm -hmm. You know, if OJ could profit from prison, he would have made a shitload of money. That would have been tough to swallow for sure. Mm -hmm. But didn't he put out his book, What I Would Have Done? And that was to, it was in order to pay the lawsuit. I see. Because he owed uh, the Goldman family money. Yeah. And so he, because he couldn't pay, that book was an effort to actually get money. I see. If I remember that correctly, I'm sure Reddy will get an email. I'm way okay with that part. I think that's kind of where the, is it the Son of Sam law that I'm thinking of? Yeah, I think so, yeah. That, that's the angle that we should take on it. Similar to what we do with parole. We'll let you out if you agree to these conditions. Yeah. We'll let yeah. you write the book if you agree to these conditions. We'll let you do the artwork if you agree. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. You know, I remember uh, Invisible Thread, the movie we did for Showtime. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bob Balaban directed it. And Bob Balaban wanted to cast G. Gordon Liddy. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted to cast G. Gordon Liddy in a role. And Teller and I both uh, bridled at that. And he was a Nixon guy. Yeah, he's one of the Watergate criminals. Yeah. And he went to prison. Yeah. Went to prison for Watergate. Yeah. And uh, Bob Balaban wanted to hire him. And I said, man, the fuckers tried to take down our whole country. I mean, yeah. fuck him. Fuck him. And Bob Balaban said... If he were a uh, drug dealer, 
for a uh, gangbanger, and he went to prison and did his time and then came out and wasn't doing those crimes again, would you then say we couldn't hire him? I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so G. Gordon Liddy's on the show. Fine. <laughs> and I ended up liking him. We ended right. up becoming friendly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think I think you just call my bluff on something, Reddy. I think that Hinckley has done his time and should be out. And, you know, if people think he's safe. What I always say is I don't believe in punishment. I only believe in stopping people from doing it again. So if I really believe that, and I think I do, then he should be out and do what he wants. And as a comedy person, I always say, uh, silence is punishment enough, you yeah. know, when you don't laugh at my stuff, uh, <laughs> that's, I don't need a letter afterward. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the letters you're getting are from people who did laugh. That's the problem. Um, but anyway, I want to just, uh, I, I don't have much to say about this. You know, um, cats, yeah. Johnny cats yeah. said he wanted to write something about what I felt about Salman Rushdie. And I wrote, I, I wrote back, it's awful. And he said, I'm just going to quote you as it's awful. I said, no, please don't. I don't want to say anything about it. It's just, it's just so tremendously sad. So Salman, um, like all, like all the world. Yeah. Uh, and I really believe it's all the world. If you round it off, it's everybody in the world. Our hearts are with you, Salman. And um, it's, it's just a terrible, terrible thing we're very sad about. And we got other stuff to talk about. Maybe it'll be a little lighter next well, show. We watched a crazy documentary. We did. We're going to talk about the rescue. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Mayor of Kingstown, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> but for right now, that was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha, cha, cha. And to our you become naked. I don't know, that whole taking uh, up someone's side is in prison is so scary. Yeah. So scary. Because you know, sociopaths can always convince you they're right. Always. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> you know, we love you. Get ready to thank there, Matt Donnelly. Yes, the following people are all people whose music I'm more curious about to listen to on Spotify. Julian Webb, Sean Magruder, Stephen Volcano, Jim the Naked Magician Shelling, Selling and Shelling, Nudini.com, Scooped Mids, Paul McBride, and of course Laura, Harlan Liam Clark, Michelle Yeiser, Jonathan, Brogan Hastings, Placida Scott, Dante Peace, Damian Martin, Adam Luce Bought, Penn's Book Just So Could Try Placing His Balls in That Velvet Bag and Send Penn the Picture. Timo Tihoff, Mark Bickenheim, Miriam Engels, Scott Kelly, Kelly M., Adam Burzens, Matthew Applehands, Fractured Adventures, Carlos Alvarez, and Nicholas Emerson. Thank you so much. Thank you.